Let's pray about it real quick. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you, Father God, once again for this opportunity, God, to come into your house, Lord, and learn from you, God. Lord, I thank you, God, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this moment in time once again, God, to come before you, come to your house, God, and have the privilege to be here, God. Lord, I love you. I thank you. And I praise you, God, for everything you've done in my life, in our lives, God, collectively as a church, Father. God, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, so this morning we're still going to talk about evangelism and the power of evangelism and the unity in that. Um, But for today, I'm going to start off I want to start off talking about it's Family Sunday. Family Sunday and how awesome Family Sunday is. I don't know about you guys, but it seems like when Family Sunday hits, it just hits different in the house. It hits very different in the house. It's it's the unity of all generations coming together in one mind, in one accord, and doing a thing. And letting God do His thing with which, what he wants to do, right? So in Matthew, I, I, I want to talk about for just, just a little bit, in Matthew 19, Matthew 19, verses 13 and 14, I, I want to I talk about why it's significant, first of all, for Family Sunday, why the significance is there. So Matthew 19, 13 through 14, It says, then the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. I'm going to stop right there for a second. But the the disciples rebuked them. So Jesus said, bring the little children in. Jesus said, bring them in the house. Get them in here. And then I'm sure as little kids do, They were tearing up Jack, having a good time, having fun. That's what they were doing, I'm sure. And then the disciples got mad and rebuked the kids. So what was Jesus' response? Verse 14, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 15, it says, and he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Let's go over to Mark. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Verses 33 through 37. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. When he came to Capernaum, And when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept him, but they kept silent for on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the 12 and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took the little children and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children 
in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So you may be asking, John, what? I, I don't get it. Where, where are you going? Um, I have a heavy burden for our kids, kids of all ages, from nursery up till the youth, kids that are fixing, I still call them kids that are being in young adults because they still are kids and young adults. We've been teaching about the power of evangelism, how it is important to have diversity, and how there is unity in diversity. Not only is there unity when it comes to ethnic, religious, or nationality, but there is also great unity when the diversity also includes our kids. You see, if we go out and win the world for Christ and fail to win our own children, then we have failed greatly in our call to evangelize. Our kids is our main and our biggest mission field. Now there may be some say, well, I don't have kids. Yes, you do. If you're a part of this church, you got a bunch of them. You got a bunch of kids to influence, to speak into. All generations, from the oldest to the youngest person in here, it is our responsibility to speak into and to love these kids, to show them the way. We have no idea what these kids face every day. My son gets the privilege of me using him as an example because he's my kid. But when you look at Logan, you look at this kid who appears from the outside, he's got everything going for him. He's a good-looking kid, six foot two, 260-pound football player. He's going to go play at the next level. It's going to happen. And you think, man, that kid's got it together. Man, his aunt and uncle, they're the pastors. His aunt and uncle, they're leaders in the church. They're elders. His whole family, man, they go sing. They go do this awesome stuff. And you know what? You tend to forget that that kid who's a 17-year-old kid still has needs and still suffers. Because you just think, He's cool. I don't need to worry about him. What's wrong? You do. This week, that very kid had to face something that no kid should ever have to face. No kid. The loss of a close friend. The loss of a close, a, a close friend, a workout partner, a, a, a guy that they got in the gym and worked out hard, messed around, Fooled around, took pictures, you know, they're in there, they're meatheads, you know. He goes to school on Thursday and his world changes because he found out that he'll never see him again. My mission field is that kid. To try to help him navigate something I don't even understand. So if we are failing our very own kids then we're failing the whole point of evangelism at the get-go. Forget going into the world. Forget in here. Forget everywhere else. If we fail our kids, then we have failed completely. Now, that being said, our kids will make their own decisions. Our, kid will make, our kids will make stupid decisions. 
And they will do the wrong thing, but it's important when they do that that we come alongside of them and not cast them aside, if that makes sense. If that makes sense. Don't, don't, don't kick them out. Come alongside of them. Love them. Help restore them. That is why Payne and Shay, Jeremy and Christina, that's why it is so important what they do because they are helping mold our kids. But it's not just on them to do their part, it's on us to do our part as well. We shouldn't just kick them over to the youth building and forget about them. We should bring them in here on family Sundays and let them get up here in the altars and do their thing. Because as we've talked about it before, the Holy Ghost runs all through this place and the river's running right through up here in the, in the altars. Let them run through, let them get wet in the Holy Ghost. Let them experience what's going on. Some demons getting cast out, let them experience it. Let them see it. Let them know the power of God and that God is more powerful than anything on this world. That is important. That is a key in evangelism. Not to forget the most important of all, the most vulnerable of all, and that's our kids. And I want to say this, there's order in the kingdom. We all know that. There's order in ministry. There's order in family. God set forth in order. We have our pastors who are our head, and then it goes down from there, right? In the family, God set forth the man as the head, the covering, the umbrella over the wife, and the wife comes beside him as his helpmate. Yes, I said beside him, not under him, beside him to work and walk along. It is just as much my wife's responsibility to cover me as it's my responsibility to cover her. Together. But as the man, as the head of the household, if I'm not covering my wife, look at it as an umbrella. If something comes through and busts through my umbrella, my covering over her, then what's it going to do? It's going to fall straight to her. And it's going to affect her. And then from there, it will affect our son. There is order in the kingdom. There is order in the family. And one thing we have seen in the Bible, the family was established first before the ministry was established. The family is the first mission field. And then the ministry was established. You see that in Genesis all the way through. The family was established first. That's why I wanted to say, first of all, because it's not in any of these notes in the book, just so you're wondering, I'm going to tell you the page. I promise I'm getting there. But it's not in the book. Family is very important. Family is very important. And it's very important for us not to forget and not to know that this whole evangelism, evangelized thing, we cannot forget. We have to include our family, our kids. Okay. Now that I got that out of the way. Everybody okay? Everybody good? All right. So now let's uh, jump on to page 58. Page 58 of our books, if you have them, page 58. It's called, we're, we're talking about proclaiming the good news. The word evangelism does not actually occur in Scripture. I'll say that again because I had to read it a couple times. The word evangelism does not actually occur in Scripture. The Greek word evangelion is the actual proclamation 
of news of any sort. However, the verb evangelizo, which means to evangelize, is used over 50 times of believers who were presenting the good news of God's love through Jesus Christ with the intent of persuading men and women to repent and to receive God's forgiveness. Early Christians spontaneously evangelized as they proclaimed and preached the good news everywhere. In the accounts of Scripture, all understood the spread of gospel was everyone's mission. So the early church, they knew what their job was. They knew that the spreading of the gospel was their job. That was their main core mission was to evangelize, to spread the gospel. The work of evangelism has three aspects. One, information. The Greek word evangelion means to proclaim the good news. In the Greek representation of the Old Testament, it might mean any good, positive, or helpful news. But in the New Testament, it meant the good news of salvation or the gospel through Jesus Christ. So the one out of the three main aspects is information. You got to make sure if you go to evangelize, you know what you're talking about, your information, what you're going to speak on, okay? Don't go out to evangelize <laughs> and not know what you need to speak on. That's key, okay? Number two is intent. The Greek verb, the Greek, <laughs> let's try that again. The Greek verb, evangelizo, means one, to bring the good news, to announce glad tidings, two, to persuade others of the good news and to trust Jesus to save them from their sins. The early Christians were not content to only convey the information of Christ, but their intent was to be ambassadors, to persuade others to be reconciled to God through Christ. So what's your intent? When you evangelize, you got to have the right information. And then your intent is to win them to Christ. You can't just go in and be like, hey, I just want to tell you about God. Cool. Peace out. Now, you have to have the intent of staying with them, talking them through, answering their questions to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay. So we got information, we got intent, and then we have the third part, which is the individuals. The New Testament uses the Greek evangelisti, yeah, whatever that word is. If you got the book, you can figure it out. Evangelistes, three times to speak of the role, the work, and office of the evangelist. So it talks about the office of how the evangelist should operate in that office. The Bible tells us when the task is great and the workers are few, we should pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers to gather in the harvest. It tells us that in Luke 10 too. And it's a sad commentary that today, when the state of the world is precarious at best, Laborers in God's vineyards seem few and far between. Perhaps we are not praying enough, or perhaps he is waiting for us to reconsider, reconsider the biblical pattern and priorities for harvesting. So when I read that, it hit me hard, but it, it, it's the truth. As we spoke about in here a million times, we're comfortable in our seats and in our four walls evangelizing each other. 
That is not what we're called to do. That is not what the Great Commission had asked us to do. The Great Commission said go into the whole world and preach the gospel, which starts at home with your family and then outside these four walls. Everywhere you go, whether you're going to Lowe's to pick up something, whether you're going to the grocery store, to have that in you immediately. So when you see somebody who has a look on their face that is just horrible, if God pricks your heart and says, speak to that person, then speak to that person. But you gotta have those three parts. You gotta have the right information first. And then you gotta have the right intent when you go about doing it. How am I doing? Okay. So on page 60, we're going to move on to where in this it's going to talk about spiritual signs and wonders shall follow. Signs and wonders shall follow. Spiritual gifts are portions of God's grace. They display the personal, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit and are given to every believer for the common good. In the book, I underline personal, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. And I also underline the fact that they are given to every believer for the common good. Every believer. The gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit are given to every believer, but it's up to us to seek and find and pursue them. Ask for them, okay? Though we vary in what seems to be each believer's dominating gift from God's creative work in us, the Holy Spirit will give us whatever is needed to minister to distinct circumstances. He distributes his gifts freely and readily in the, move, in the moment of need in order to enable the believer to minister powerfully and effectively in the name of Jesus. So turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, real quickly, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. These are the gifts of the Spirit. This is where Jesus, where God inspired, this is where he tells us what they are. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. <laughs> Can I stop right there for just two seconds? Rabbit trail, I'm sorry, but is that not hilarious? These dumb idols. I mean, brother just comes out and, and, and tells him, you're stupid. These dumb idols. I mean, he just, he, <laughs> it's the word of God. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome right? Sorry, squirrel. <laughs> However you were led, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activity, but it is the same God who works in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But here's the key verse. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he, capital H, as he wills. So what are the gifts of the Spirit? Word of wisdom through the Spirit, word of knowledge through the Spirit, faith by the same Spirit, gifts of healing by the same Spirit, miracles, prophecies, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These are the nine gifts of the Spirit. These are the nine gifts that we should operate in. These are very important. If you can underline that, highlight it in your Bible, study that. And it's interesting how the first one they talk about is words of wisdom. Wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Number two is knowledge. Word of knowledge. How do you gain knowledge? By studying to show yourself approved. By spending the time in the Word. By researching, right? Then we have faith. The gifts of healing. Working of miracles. Prophecy. Discerning of the spirits. Different kind of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to say that. Spiritual gifts are not badges of honor or signs of spiritual maturity. I want to say that one more time. Spiritual gifts are not badges of honor or, or signs of spiritual maturity. Our attitude concerning the gifts is to be willing and available to minister in Christ's name whenever we are prompted by the Spirit within us to do so. We are to be compassionate friends to those in need wherever we may find them, and we must be confident of God's promise and power gifts to serve those needs. So God has given us these nine gifts, and he has given us these gifts to be able to minister Christ's names whenever we are prompted. So it is important to research, to study for yourself, to seek out these gifts. So when the time comes in evangelism, these gifts will be made manifest in you to help the one you are ministering to. Does that make sense? Does everybody understand where I'm going with that? That makes sense. Everybody good? So very important to once again write that down and study that. And I have got to end today. But in ministering, in evangelism, guys, it is so important that we do not forget, one, our own house, our own kids, our own mission field. We cannot forget that. But it is also important to know that God gives us nine gifts of the Spirit to help us discernment, to help know how to help not only our kids, not only our friends, but the strangers that we will meet on the street. It is very important to, to, uh, to uh, Lord, I can't think of the word, Brian. Cultivate. Whew. 
That's a big word. It's kind of early for that. <sighs> cultivate. Yes, thank you. So the word is cultivate. So it's very important to cultivate those gifts, to research, to work, to pray for understanding, knowledge, wisdom, discernment. All of those gifts, it is very important, but it's up to you to do so. It's not up to the pastors, the elders to do it for you. You've got to do it for yourself. So when you have the chance to evangelize, you can take full advantage of it. Okay? Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your wisdom. Thank you, God, Lord, for your knowledge and your guidance, God. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be evangelists to this world every one of us, to be an evangelist to this world, God, Lord, because you've called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Father God, help us, Lord, all to see each opportunity every day, God, that we can be an evangelist, God, for you. Lord, where we can proclaim your name to those who need it, God. Father God, I pray right now that you'll be with the rest of the service, God. I pray, Lord, right now, Lord, that the cloud of your glory would once again, Father, fill this place, fill this property, every parking space, God. Lord, I come expecting, we come expecting, God, your miracles, your signs, your wonders, God, to be on full display here today. Father God, I pray right now that you will be with our pastors, God. I pray, Lord, that right now you will fill them with power with fire, with fresh anointing, God, that only you can give. Father God, I pray that right now that you will protect them, that you will protect them from any attack of the enemy, God, that may come their way. Father God, I pray, Lord, that as on this day we have Family Sunday, God, I pray, Lord, for generations to be touched. I pray for generations to be saved from the youngest to the oldest, God. I pray, Lord, for generational signs, God, of, 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 of your infilling of your spirit, God. Father God, I love you. I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. Be with our worship team, God. Be with every person that serves here today, God, whether it is a greeter, whether it is a security, whether it is an usher, God. Every person that serves today, God, I pray, Lord, that you will fill them with your spirit, with your power, God. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen.